This is The Guardian. I'm Grace Dent and this is Comfort Eating from The Guardian. A podcast where we pay homage to the lesser celebrated foods in life. Because even as a restaurant critic, I believe the food that matters most is often that snack you cobble together when you're curled up on the sofa. Each week, I ask my guest to lift the lid on what comfort foods have seen them through their lives. Because you can tell a lot about a person from what they eat behind closed doors. Finding your perfect home was hard. But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, friends. Guess where I am? Go on, guess. You guessed right. I'm in my kitchen and I'm getting ready for a new episode of Comfort Eating. I've had to kick Charles out of the house on his day off. He's gone to see James Bond. Now, that only lasts for three hours. So I'm hoping he's not going to make too much of a noise coming back in and interrupting Joe Brand. Before she gets here, I am having the lunch of Queen's. Got a little packet of jam tarts on the go at the moment. I'm going to have them with a delicious tin of apple ties. See, apple ties, surely that's got lots of vitamins in it. That is so good. Joe is a popular regular on panel shows such as Have I Got News For You and QI. She is a writer and a star of the award-winning Getting On. And she's the host of Bake Off and Extra Slice. I don't bandy this term around lightly, but Joe really is a national treasure. I'll have a little bit more of this first. Hang on. Which jam tart should I have first? Should I have the apricot one? Nah, of course not. I'm going to have the black currant one. Who doesn't love a jam tart? Oh, crumbly. Mm-hmm. Josephine Grace Brand. Indeed, Grace <laughs> Dent. Welcome to Comfort Eating. <laughs> Do you like Grace? I think that Grace is a name that I've really grown into. And I think it adds a tiny bit of something when you walk in the room. You'd make a good grace. I don't think I would, you see. I'm not graceful in any sense of the word. So people always used to go, (laughs) grace, like that at school. I think you do have grace. Oh, well, thank you. No, but you do. There is that you have definitely got an aura about you, I think, when you turn up in places. What, like a sort of stately galleon coming into the room? (laughs) 
So you've driven here today. Most people get a cab, but some people, I think it says a lot about them when they they get themselves here. We have been having a sweepstake of what you drive before you got here, right? Okay. I, I think that you've got a five-year-old Audi. My producer, Leia, said that you've got a swanky 4x4. Four four. And Jack, my other producer, says that you've got a Citroen Picasso. <laughs> Very specific. Please reveal what you drive. It's, not, it's actually my daughter's car. Does that count? But anyway, it's a Mini. Oh, I can see you in a minute. Which actually I love. Because I, I, I got my international rally driving licence in 1995. Hang on, what? And I love driving really badly in London too fast. You've got an international rally dri- driving licence. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, you have to do eight rallies and then someone like ticks a little form that you've done them all and then that's you. So you drive like that around London? Yeah, particularly around London. I don't see the point driving like that anywhere else. This is where I get to find out what people really eat behind closed doors. Uh, The food that they have at home, which is the most comforting. Joe Brand, what are you about to feed me? Okay, here we come. It's nice and wrapped up in tin foil to keep it nice and warm. I'm a terrible, terrible carb monster. Mm. And so I find uh, them very comforting to shove down myself. I like unhealthy carbs. So far, it's looking like a sandwich, but I'm going to reveal to you there isn't anything healthy in it. Uh There's a slice of fried bread in it. It's a fried (laughs) bread sandwich, Grace. (laughs) And here it comes towards you, but it's not quite complete. Oh, my... I have never seen anything like Without it. Without brown sauce. Do you like brown sauce? I love brown sauce. Oh, good. Yeah, and I too. love fried bread. So um, I used to eat it quite a lot when I was at university because we were hung over a lot of the time and we didn't get up till kind of whatever it was, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. Do you dip yours or do you put it in it? I put it in it. So to be authentic, should I, where should I put it here? Do us like a squiggly kind of W. Kind of like a, a like a Jackson Pollock. Indeed. Please. Thank you. And that with like a massive pot of coffee and quite a lot of water sometimes. Perfect. I am amazed I've never seen this on a posh restaurant menu that a chef hasn't made a posh version of this. I'm going in. Right, let's talk about buying and opening our restaurants. Mm. I've got lots of other ideas. Oh, my God. (laughs) That works. Yeah, it does. I've just eaten this like a wild animal. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, you can marginally spice it up if you want. If you want to put... Something healthy in it, like some mushrooms or... But I wouldn't normally bother. Why gild the lily? I suppose I should maybe ask you some other questions. No, let's just eat this. (laughs) (laughs) 
So you grew up in Kent with your mum, Joyce, your dad, Ron, mm-hmm. your brothers, Bill and Matt. That's right. So what was home like as a little girl? Well, we we lived in the middle of nowhere in Kent and mm. it was that would have been in the in the early 60s which was a time where people just said to the kids just go away for 17 hours and come yeah. back for tea. So we had kind of a lot of freedom, you know, and um with two brothers it was very much fishing swinging by ropes from trees, falling into streams, running around all day. Swallows and Amazons. Yeah, it was lovely, mm. really lovely. Um, my, my my dad was, was out at work most of the time. That was lovely too. <laughs> did you eat together as a family? We did, we did. My mum absolutely hated being a housewife, so yeah. she kind of rotated about five dishes you know, because... What were they? Um, well, she did a really... She, on Saturday, she always did, like, a, a, a meat pie, like a mince meat pie mm. uh, with onions, which was lovely. Yeah. Uh, that was really nice. She she was very good at roast dinners, so we always used to have a roast dinner on Sunday. Yeah. Very traditional. And then the rest of the week, it might have been stretching it to call it a meal because it would be kind of beans on toast, but... I love that sort of thing, so that didn't bother me at all. Or cheese on toast, or sometimes it'd be sausages and mash, that sort of thing. Really plain things. Really plain things. Really plain. Well, in those days, those were the days when if you put spices in anything, people would faint and try and go to hospital. (laughs) Or mention a different country. I don't think people even really knew what pasta was then, really. No. What were you like in your young school days? I was lovely. Were you? Yeah, I was. I was, I was very well behaved and polite. And um, I worked very hard. I liked school. Mm. And I can't think of any incident at all at school where I ever caused any trouble. Were you funny at school? I don't think I was, really. Mm. My older brother, Bill, I still think he's funnier than I am. Yeah. Because it, I think the thing about doing stand-up, it's... You don't necessarily have to be a naturally funny person. Mm. You you have to kind of construct a kind of persona yeah. that I, I constructed a persona that then just said awful things about men all the time, just because no one else had done it, really. And because I did think quite a lot of them as well, but not in such an extreme way. Um, and with me, I constructed very precise one-liners, which obviously... As a as a kid, even as a teenager, I didn't particularly do that at home, you know, because it's it's too much like hard work. Do you think the people around you would have expected that you'd have ended up doing the job you do? They wouldn't, no. And probably they might have done when I got to about 16 or 17 and I got chucked out of home. Because by that point I had kind of had enough of life. So I was much more bitter, I suppose, but, like, I turned quite a lot of that into comedy. Do you think that your parents were happy in Kent? No, I don't think so. For a bit after the Sproutfield, we lived in a rather kind of manicured estate, you know, yeah. with nice nice kind of fences and everyone did their lawn the same and all that. It's for the benefit of people that can't see Jo, her face is utter disgust. Yeah. 
It wasn't my kind of place. Everybody knows your business. Everyone knows your business. Everyone compares themselves with everyone else, but using ridiculous, ridiculous points of reference. So it was like what sort of handbag you had Mm. or what your washing looked like on the line. Do you know what I mean? It was all that sort of such tiny, tiny, unimportant stuff that was pointless. You attended Tunbridge Wells Girls Grammar School. Yes. Were you well behaved at that school? I was quite well behaved at that school. And it was because, yeah, I did like pretty well in my O-levels. One one sort of quote that I keep in my head all the time, which is a quote by Carl Jung, the psychoanalyst, is... um, The greatest burden on a child is the unlived life of the parent. Uh, It's chilling, isn't it? Yeah. And my mum gave up a place at Oxford University to get married to my dad. And I think she regretted it hugely Mm. as she got older. And so therefore, that was her ambition for me to make me go to Oxford And Mm. rather ridiculously and ironically, it was their fault that that all went wrong because I was kind of on that path without realising it. It had sort of been mentioned at Tunbridge Wells Grammar School for Girls. And um, and then my parents moved and made me move to another school and I really didn't want to leave. Tunbridge Wells Grammar School School for Girls girls, sounds incredible. It sounds... Like one of those lovely schools full of high-achieving girls in lovely uniforms. That's partly true. Mm. And then me as well. <laughs> there was a few misfits, but, you know, misfits who kind of still work quite hard. Um, so how old were you when you get taken out of that one and put in the other one? 15, 16. That's a really hard time to move schools. I think it is. And I, I said to them, please, can I go on the train to school? No. Please, can I stay with someone? During the week, no. You know, they were very adamant about it. So what happened when you went to the new school? Where was it? It's in Hastings. What happened when you went to the new school in Hastings? Well, I was so angry with my parents that I just... I didn't make a deliberate decision to kind of hook up with the worst girls in the year. But Mm. that's effectively what I did. And so from probably a couple of months in, I didn't really go to school very much. I went and sat in a cafe on the seafront opposite the pier. Tell me about the girls. What were they like? Well, they. I mean, there were two particular friends of mine. One friend was, um, her dad was a builder and her, par- her parents were Irish and they were very working class and they lived an- on a council estate. And going to their house was brilliant because we could smoke. <laughs> yeah. You know, we could eat what we wanted. We could have chips for every meal and yeah. nobody cared. Whereas like going, bringing her back to mine was like, you know, taking her to a convent. <laughs> and I remember the first time she came round for tea, my dad, I can't, I still can't believe he did this. He asked her the first time he met her how much her dad earned. What? I know. I mean, I've always thought my dad was like, you know, edging onto the spectrum a little bit because he was very embarrassing a lot of the time. But and I did... couldn't believe he'd done that. So you're hanging around a cafe 
with these amazing girls who were actually a massively bad influence. They were. And then what kind of trouble do you start getting into? Well, I got a job in Boots on Saturdays on the makeup counter, which was a joy because I I know nothing about makeup. I still don't. And so women would come and ask me just because I had a, a kind of smock on or whatever. <laughs> so this would be like the boots number seven. Yeah. And so they'd ask my advice. So that was like really good fun. It was like me tell, telling a clown how to put makeup on. <laughs> so that was good fun. And in boots, this guy kept coming in and chatting me up. And um, so I ended up going out with him. What did he look like? He had sort of corkscrew curls like yeah. uh, Mark Bolan. Yeah. He was very tall, extremely skinny. He had a kind of turned up nose. He looked like a pixie. He was he was lovely. He sounds sexy. And he was really posh, which was weird. And yeah. he was a drug dealer, which obviously wasn't what my parents wanted Jackpot. for me. Jackpot. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... Take that list off. It was great. Out of the window at night and... You know, jump down into the garden and all that. Um, they knew what I was up to and they knew, you know, that I was up to no good because in Hastings there's an old town where everyone under the age of 20 goes mm. drinking at the weekends. And so they often tried, they came down together and went in all the pubs looking for me. Oh, it's awful. It's so humiliating. But lots of the pubs had more than one door so i got very good at going out of one as they came in the other and i got people to keep a lookout for me as well but i carried on sneaking out to see him my parents knew what i was doing it was awful the atmosphere was awful we were just shouting at each other all the time and i don't know why they came to this decision but they eventually said to me either get rid of him or you'll have to move out so what you say woohoo can i move out then please so I did, I moved out. Did they not try and stop you? No. Where did you go? Well, I got a bed set in the most sitcom house in Hastings. It was brilliant. I was on the second floor. It looked out over the sea. It was wonderful, an old Victorian house. On the top floor, there were I can't remember, three or four Korean chefs all living in the same room. Okay. Below them, a Rastafarian who used to sell cannabis to people. Then me. Then underneath me was the daughter of the woman that owned the house. And she had an illegitimate baby. Yeah. Which in Hastings in the 70s would have been bad enough. Scandalous. Except it was a black baby. Scandalous. Which was even worse. And everyone really kind of looked down on her. And beneath her was her mum. And her mum sold drugs. So it was, my parents didn't know any of this, thankfully. And then there's you away from home for the first time. I know. Did the Korean chefs cook for you? Yes, they did. Not every night, sadly, but, you know, they they would cook a lot and it always smelled lovely when you came into the house. And so they would give me big bowls of noodles and things. Yeah, they were lovely. What were you making for yourself in the bed set? So... Obviously, you've got your fried bread sandwiches. What was your repertoire? Well, chips from around the corner. The odd... You know, my mum was occasionally... um, You know, because she kept in touch with me, she would say, are you you eating any fruit? (laughs) (laughs) 
with the local drug dealer Shit. coming round. <laughs> Yes, yes, I've had two cantaloupe melons bless today. Her. Oh, bless her. Did you not speak to your dad when you were in the bed set? No. Not for a long time. I didn't actually see either of my parents mm. for quite a long time, but my mum would write to me and she would also, um, yeah. you know, there was a, like a phone box downstairs, mm. so she would phone me from time to time as well. It feels like you needed that space. Oh, do you know what? I bloody loved it. I really did. I thought, I was like, this is the life. So you moved back to Tunbridge Wells and I understand that after a dramatic event, you decided to move home. What happened? I worked for Dr Bernardo's. Um, eventually, I kind of moved on again from, um, I finished my A-levels and everything. And um, I burnt my flat down. Uh, you're... You are the second I burnt my flat down story that I've had in Comfort Eating. How marvellous. Am I allowed to know who the other person was? It was Siobhan McSweeney. She left a plug loose and it set an electrical fire. Well, mine was, um, I've been to a party. I had an electric meter in the room and I ran out of change for it. So um, I put a candle down by the side of my bed and because I was quite drunk, I went to sleep with the candle still alight. Oh, my God. Um, and then I woke up and thought, oh, what's that smell? And it was smoke because the kind of edge of my bed was on fire. So I thought, oh, you know, when you're drunk, you don't really care, do you? So I sort it out in the morning. <laughs> so I just kind of patted it with a cushion. Hang on, what floor were you on? I was on the ground floor. OK. So when did you think it was probably time to leave the room? When I woke up again about five minutes later and it was, like, quite hot. <laughs> and I thought, why is it so hot? And I looked around, I couldn't really see anything. So I pulled the bed up and the whole of the underneath of the bed was, like, red hot and glowing. And the problem was, as soon as I did that and the air got to it, it kind of went like that. And, and I just I couldn't believe it was happening. And then the curtains caught fire because it was in a big bay window terrifying were you terrified no because i was so drunk i was like oh this is quite interesting <laughs> I don't know why i'm laughing indoor fireworks <laughs> as elvis costello would say um yeah so i thought oh oh dear right okay um and then the telly exploded so then i thought right okay i'd be sensible so i knocked on my next door neighbor's door who was a, a bloke probably in his 30s it was about two in the morning and he like come to the door with it well, what do you want? You know, I said, oh, I think there's like a small problem. <laughs> he opened the door and it was kind of a bit like an inferno at that point. And he just went, fucking out. So he phoned the fire brigade and obviously he thought the rest of the house would go up and he was next door, you know, so mm. it was a bit scary. I rang my mum. She went, hold on, I'll be there. And it, she got there about 45 minutes later. I was waiting by phone box. And she'd split up with my dad by then and she was going through her blonde in a sports car phase. So she turns up in a red MG midget. Hang on, how old was she blonde. by then? Is she like 40? Yeah, about 42, 43. And she's got rid of your dad. Yeah. And she's bought a sports car. <laughs> I love this woman. <laughs> <laughs> and you're standing... Uh, you've smoked all your ciggies in the back of a police car. This sounds like something from a film. 
Yeah, so, yeah, so she took me home. Lovely. It was lovely. It was lovely. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You completed... A nursing degree. Yeah, uh, my mum set me up with that. She said, you don't, it would be great to do a degree, but don't do something that's academic for three years, Solly, because you'll never cope with it. She was right, really. So I ended up training as a nurse and doing a degree at the same time. Six months one, six months the other. Where was that? A psychiatric hospital? Uh, yes, yeah, at the Maudsley in Camberwell and at Brunel University. So we moved. It was a proper course. We moved every six months uh, of the year. I think lots of people probably know that you spent 10 years working as a nurse in the emergency unit. But what I also want to know is on an emergency psychiatric hospital wing, what's the food like? Well, our canteen was probably, most people would say it was awful, Mm. but I'm very easy to please. So I like (laughs) potatoes, right? So if there were nice potatoes, like either a baked potato or a roast potato, I quite like mash as well, that would cheer me up immediately. You're just naming potatoes now. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, what potatoes don't I like? I don't. I've never met a potato I don't like. No, I haven't either. I mean, obviously there were some days when, you know, you just got something brown with bits in it that you weren't quite sure of. Oh. But that's a, that's a very popular dish, isn't it? We used to get that at primary school all the time, but we knew there was gristle in it and nothing oh. else. Do you like gristle? Who likes I, gristle? Who, who says, do you know what I want tonight? A lovely plate of gristle. <laughs> yes please i should have brought a snack along again my snack today you guess what it is just a plate of gristle i think it's a tendon yeah all that stuff yuck so it was during this time that you start comedy this isn't your usual stand-up origin story what made you do that well i think it's because i just like making people laugh yeah. In a very kind of abstract sense. And also the alternative comedy scene had started up. And yeah. that made me think, oh, good, I don't have to be, you know, Bernard Manning. Not that I ever wanted to be. But the sort of alternative scene started probably at 82, 83. And I mm. didn't start till 86. 
Um, I remember seeing you for the first time when I, was, uh, when I was a, a, a young, I would have been 14, 15, and I remember seeing you on Saturday Night Live. I remember you coming. I've, ne I've never seen anybody like you. Oh, good. We, you were labelled then like a radical feminist comic. Well, hey. Did you feel radical at the time? Well, it depends what you mean by radical. I've, I kind of feel I was radical in my thinking and my my actions. I've never been a kind of joiner, if you know what I mean. I'm exactly the same. So I feel like, like I support that person's politics or yes. I, I, I think feminist ideals are right, but I just wasn't very good at kind of joining in with other people and doing it all as a crowd. I don't know why. I just preferred to go, oh, right, that's what's going on with them. I'll keep an eye on that then. How did your new life as a comic affect what you ate? Oh, as if it could get any worse, my diet. Well, yeah. there, I said that. I was having the odd salad. But my, my life turned completely around the other way, time-wise. So mm. whereas when I was a nurse, I'd get up about six and work till, you know, if I did a long day, till seven at night and then go home. When I start, once comedy sort of took off, I would go to bed at six in the morning and sit yeah. up all night playing poker. What food stands out from that time? Well, actually, there was um, a kebab shop in Lordship Lane where if you had something to eat in there, you could drink till three or four in the morning, which obviously was hugely attractive. They're magical places. Uh, and another one in Finsbury Park. So we kind of had, yeah. we knew them sort of all over London, depending on where we were working. So a lot of kebabs, really. But I don't really like Donner kebabs. No. Because about one out of three, if not more seem to have like a weird kind of little veins oh, of gristly fat running down them. Don't. I really like kebabs that are just lean, but what what are those bits? They look they kind of look like the colour of mucus, but they're kind of stringy and Yeah. Do you know what they are? Um I think it's probably in the same family as gristle. <laughs> <laughs> the family gristle. <laughs> our our favourite. Well, yeah, yuck. So you now live with your husband, Bernie, in London. You have two girls. To what extent did reflecting on your own teenage years inform bringing up two daughters? Well, I suppose in a couple of ways. I mean, first of all, I just want, wanted my daughters to, within reason, mm go their own way and do yeah. what they liked doing rather than us saying, oh, look, here's the entry form for Cambridge. Not yeah. that there is an entry form for Cambridge, but you know what I mean. I also felt that I wanted to have kids that I kind of trusted to do the right thing rather mm. than having to tell them all the time. And I see, like, especially a lot of private school kids, I think... They, they look haunted a lot of the time, some of them, because their parents have got them in the straitjacket of, here's you 10 years in the future. Yeah. And this is the school club you're going to Monday. This is the one, you know. Yeah. And I kind of feel that's kind of a bit, I didn't want that for my kids, really. Mm. So that that's kind of how, how in one sense, I've kind of been, been a mum. But also food-wise, um, mm, 
that, well, everyone is vegetarian or vegan in my family except me. Not a lot of gristle. No, that's true. So how do you get your meat intake? Quite a bit of pork pie on the motorway behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> or the little individual ones? Yes. Because you can't eat a big one while you're driving. Can you? No, you can't. Uh, really. No, I, I can't. No, <laughs> no. It's a shame, isn't it? But then the little ones. Do you like the jelly? No. Do you? I uh, no. I'm not a pork pie person. Well, you see, I think if they stopped putting the jelly in, life would be almost perfect. But do you know something? I think that's probably one of the most controversial things you've ever said, and that's going to dog you because people get really angry. They say the, about jelly, the jelly. People, a, a pork pie purist. <laughs> Is there such a thing? There is such a thing. They would say that the jelly is one of the best bits. Mm. You don't look convinced. I actually bought two little mini pork pies last night and because I, we did the last extra slice and I hadn't really eaten anything all day. I thought, what do I really want? And I thought, I want some mini pork pies. So I went into a <sighs> petrol station but what I did was I sort of bit it and then I took it back out and then I took the meaty bit out and then I scooped... You scooped it out with your finger. out the car window. Sorry, London. You left it on the forecourt of a, of a petrol now, station. Road, is that worse? A cat might like it. A fox would definitely a eat that. A fox would love it. A fox Come would... On. That is a treat for a fox. <laughs> Do you know what I'm really curious about? I have never, ever seen a picture of Bernie. Never seen him. <laughs> never seen a picture. Never seen you at a party together. Well, actually, never. there is a picture online of me and Bernie, but unfortunately, it's not me and Bernie. It's Jonathan Ross's mum and her partner. <laughs> <laughs> She's obviously at a Halloween party, which is what they think I look like all the time, obviously. She's got, like, really black eyes and, like, big, like, wild hair when I had... And has it gone into the database as that's Bernie? As, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but actually, if you search pictures online, a lot of them are wrong and yeah. they're very entertaining. Does he not like the whole show busy thing? Does he come into the green room? Does he ever come on the red carpet? No. No, I don't go on the red carpet either, really. Do you know, I, the only time I've ever been to the BAFTAs, well, I've been twice. The first time was Trini and Susanna. You know, when they made me, they thought, we'll, we'll dress you up and send you to the BAFTAs and that'll make a hilarious TV show. Mm. Uh, and then the second time, I was nominated for one and I wasn't going to go because I, I just don't like the... What were you nominated for? Uh, best actor, best comedy, best actor in a comedy in... for Getting On. Wow, OK. Yeah. I mean, you deserved that nomination. You were amazing in it. Well, thank you. I no, didn't you really... Were. I thought I was just doing... EastEnders acting, as I call it, where you just kind of play a version of yourself. But um, anyway, my mum said she really wanted to come and my mum has terrible form for pulling out of things. Yeah. And I went, do you promise you'll come? Because I'm not, I don't want to go, OK, but I'll go for you. So she said, no, no. So I got it all fixed up and she rang on the morning and said, oh, I can't, I can't come. So I took my friend Wagley instead and she was very good value because she got totally rat <laughs> Got hold of my BAFTA, stood up on the balcony, went <laughs> like that to everyone in the groove, and you know that big yeah. sort of ice rinky place. So yeah. that was good fun. Joe Brand, 
Thank you for coming here. Thank you for bringing me the best. I'm just going to say it. I think it's the best snack anyone's ever brought. <gasps> Exciting. Uh, thank you for comfort eating with me. Well, I had an absolute ball. And thank you for having such a lovely name, Grace. <laughs> Love from Josephine Grace Brand. <laughs> this episode of... Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.